It's hard to believe that 88 years ago in 1934, Dr. R.G. Lee, the pastor of Bellevue, in the middle of the Great Depression, decided, and he had heard from the Lord, to pay off all of Bellevue's debt. At that time, they owed $30,000 in debt. And he asked the church to give a love offering above their normal tithes and offerings to the budget so that Bellevue could be debt-free. They took that offering, 1934, and not, they didn't get 30000 They got 36000 That's the equivalent of just under a million dollars today. And they paid off the debt. And they began a great tradition. For 88 years, Bellevue has had a love offering. And it has been a special thing. Don and I were pleased when we came to Bellevue back 17 years ago. And we wanted to continue this tradition. And so we give more than a tithe to our budget. And then we give to our love offering above and beyond that. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do that. This year, our love offering is entitled For Life. Hope for every child, hope for families, and hope for the vulnerable. And we believe that life is a sacred gift from Almighty God. It is a wonderful gift. That's why just a few months ago, we rejoiced when the Supreme Court of the United States overturned Roe versus Wade. I was a sophomore in high school. Amen. Amen. It's okay. Almost 50 years ago in 1973, the Supreme Court legalized abortion nationwide. I was a sophomore in high school. And over the past 50 years, it's hard to believe what I'm about to say, 40 million babies have been aborted. Take a moment, let that sink in. Unborn children torn apart in their mother's womb. and murder. That's five to six times the population of our state, Tennessee. We have seven million Tennesseans. But praise the Lord, on June the 24th of this year, 
that was overturned. Many states immediately made abortion illegal. Many more are following suit. And we say, praise the Lord, to God be the glory, but the work is not done, not only regarding abortion, but in respect for all of life, from a mother's womb to a hospital room of an elderly person. Every life is significant to God. I had a friend that said, from the womb to the tomb, every life is sacred to God. And so at Bellevue, we are unapologetically for life at every age and every stage. You see, we don't believe at Bellevue that we evolved from lower forms of life. We don't believe human beings are animals. We believe human beings are created in the image of Almighty God. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So we believe that there is hope for every human being, every child, unborn or born, every family, and every vulnerable person. You know, Jesus loved everybody. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you are grateful for the rest that Jesus Christ can give? Amen. So our love offering this year is for life. Not just the unborn, but for all people who are hurting. Our love offering committee is going to give guidance, as we've always done for the past 88 years, in the utilization of the love offering funds that we will give. This year, our chairperson is a wonderful woman of God named Jessica Pyburn. And I want you to watch a short video. She had to be out of town today. She hated that. But she said, I want to at least be able to speak to the people about our love offering for life. So look at the screens and listen to Jessica Pyburn. Good morning, church family. As we launch the love offering, I wanted to share my heart with you about this year's love offering. For nearly 50 years, we've prayed as a church, across generations, and across the nation for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. In his perfect timing, the Lord answered that prayer this summer. And now, through the love offering, he's inviting us, Bellevue Baptist Church, to be a part of his plan in this post-Roe world. Through the love offering, we want to show and tell the world that we are for life at every stage and every age, from cradle to grave. We want to be a beacon of hope for every child, for families, and for the vulnerable. We want to give and to serve as we point others to Jesus. This year's love offering is not just about financial giving. It's also the Lord's call to action. 
a call to action for us to stand for life, not just in word, but in deed, to boldly advocate and not just silently support, to intentionally walk alongside those who are hurting and those who find themselves in difficult and challenging situations, to reach out to those who are vulnerable and those who are labeled unreachable, and to compassionately point others to Jesus, the source of our hope. It's a call to action. How will I respond? How will you respond? As we listen to the pastor, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will move in each of our hearts and burden us for every child, for families, and for the vulnerable, and that he would show us how to respond, what we should give, and how we should go. Thank you so much. Hope for every child. Amen. Thank the Lord for her. She's a wonderful woman. Praise God. Hope for every child, unborn and born. Hope for every family. And hope for those who are vulnerable in our culture and our society. You say, Brother Steve, we don't have an outline. I do. Take a few notes. We believe these truths about life. We believe that life begins, began at creation. God created man. Genesis 2, 7. Would you read this with me from the screen? God created man. Look at this. So read it with me. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. I believe that's how God created the first human being. That was man. And then God created woman out of the side of man. Genesis 2, 21 and 22. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. And the Lord took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And I had a professor one time and he said, and when he saw her, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. All right. We all came from Adam and Eve. Quit talking about race. There's only one race, the human race. We're all biologically connected. Life began at creation. We also believe at Bellevue that life begins at conception. Life doesn't begin at birth rather at conception. The most famous text in all the Bible that says that is Psalm 139, verses 13 and following. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, he's talking to the Lord, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
He watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, that's in the womb, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Notice, life was before he was born. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Aren't you grateful that life begins at conception? This is a picture of an unborn baby at 18 weeks from conception. Now you tell me that ultrasound technology does not undeniably prove that unborn babies are living human beings. That is a human being. That is not just a fetus. That is a human being. And we believe, not at birth, but life begins at conception. We also believe that we should choose life, not death. Choose life, not death. You know, you have to choose life in order to be saved in Christ. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, talking to the Father. He's praying here. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That means you repent of your sins, you believe in Jesus, and you receive him as Lord and Savior. And then once Christ saves you and gives you eternal life, you continue to choose life by loving the Lord. I love Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Moses said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. Say that with me. Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God. That's how you live. And by obeying his voice, by holding him fast to him, for this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Moses said we live when we love the Lord. Eternal life is when we receive the Lord. Living is loving the Lord. And Jesus will give us abundant life. John 10, 10. The thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you may have life. Have it abundantly. Life with a plus. As my friend Dr. Roy Fish used to say. You and I should choose life. In Christ not death and lostness. And then, fourthly, at Bellevue, we believe every life is precious to God. Now, why do we believe that? Because God loves everyone. John three sixteen. Would you say it with me, please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world, everybody in the world. He loves you. He loves me. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's why life is precious to God, because God loves everyone. Life is also precious because God desires for every person to be saved, even though they won't be saved. He desires for them to be saved. If you don't become a Christian, it's not because God didn't elect you. It's because you rejected him. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 4, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, that is, all mankind, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what we say about all around here, don't you? All means all, and that's all all means. God loves you, wants to save you. And he can save you. And we also believe that every life is precious and he can save you because Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died and paid the penalty for your sin. 1 John 2, 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but for the sins of all the world. I can walk up to a stranger and say, Jesus died for you. And that's the truth. He didn't just die for the elect. He died for everyone, including you. And every life is precious because anyone can be saved. You say, where do you get that? Romans 10, 13, and he's quoting Joel chapter 2, and I read Joel chapter 2 this morning in my quiet time. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, anyone, you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Every life is precious to God. The fifth thing we believe at Bellevue about life is every stage of life is sacred. Every stage of life, it's all sacred with God. We believe unborn children are sacred. Do you know when God called Jeremiah to be a prophet? In his mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now think about it. That's before conception. God knows us. God's not limited by time like we are. God is a timeless God in one sense. He doesn't operate on our time. How many of you have ever come to the conclusion that God doesn't follow your time pattern? Anybody know that? Have you ever heard of waiting on the Lord? Don't you just love to wait for the Lord to move? He's got his own time. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah never married. He was married to God. He just loved the Lord, one of the greatest prophets. And by the way, Jesus quoted Jeremiah more than any other prophet. Unborn children are sacred. We also believe that 
children's lives are sacred. Those who are already born, their lives are sacred. Jesus said in Luke 18, 16, and 17, he called for them saying, permit the children to come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever, now listen to this, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. We just had four of our 16 grandchildren <laughs> blow through. And I'm telling you, when I look at those little, that little three-year-old, he is a tank. He is built like a stump. He is just tough. He's not worried about anything. Mom and dad are going to take care of it. If not, Nana will, all right? Not worried about anything. He just trusts. He just goes along. Did you know that's the picture here? That God wants to take care of you and you can just trust him. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Like a child. If you don't enter the kingdom of God like a child, you won't enter it. God loves children's lives. They're sacred to him. And I'll tell you something else. And this is something America is not remembering. The elderly's lives are sacred. Amen. You keep breathing, you'll believe that. You ever wake up and look in the mirror and say, who are you? If it hasn't happened, it's on its way. You say, you're blessing me today, Brother Steve. Good. Good. Leviticus 19.32. How are you supposed to treat elderly people? Read this with me. Read it with me. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. You reverence God when you respect elderly people. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, from the unborn to the elderly, at Bellevue Baptist Church, we believe that every stage of life is sacred. And at Bellevue, we believe the biblical family is God's design for life. The biblical family is God's design for life. What is the biblical family? Well, before sin entered the world, we see it at the very end of Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 3, sin entered the world. It wasn't long until you had polygamy. But not so in the first two chapters. Before sin came, we see the biblical family and God's design for life in Genesis 2.24. For this reason, for this cause, Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one 
flesh. Heterosexual, monogamous marriage. Heterosexual, a man and a woman. Monogamous, one man, one woman. That's the only kind of marriage that Jesus affirmed. He quoted Genesis 2.24, and so did Paul. Jesus quoted this when he spoke of marriage in Matthew 19, verse 5. So we believe the only kind of marriage there is, according to Scripture, is heterosexual, monogamous marriage. Homosexual marriage is not marriage. It's sin. Living together is not marriage. It's sin. The family, not the church, is God's primary place for discipling children. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's the Word of God. No wonder Satan relentlessly attacks the biblical family in America. The biblical family. One man, one woman, and children. Is God's design for life. And then lastly, we believe at Bellevue that we must minister to all people with broken lives. When someone goes through difficult times, we are to be there to help them. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Isaiah 58, very famous text, verses 6 through 8, is this not the fast which I chose? He, he was telling them, you guys are doing without food, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I've got another kind of fast that I choose. This is the fast I choose, God says, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Jesus picked up on that and said in these famous words, Matthew 25, 34 and following, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in your house. I was naked, you put clothes on my back. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? 
When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, that's Jesus, will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. If you see a broken life, God lets you see it to help that person. You can minister to people financially, physically, spiritually. As we say so often, just find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. You could pay somebody's rent. You could clothe their children. You can bring food to them. We must minister to people with broken lives. If we say we are for life, it's not just about being against abortion. It's about helping people in need. So, what do we do? This year's love offering is focusing on at least three areas of life. We want to provide hope for every child. There are over 3,000 abortions were performed in Shelby County in 2019. There are many women in our community that face unplanned pregnancies. We have to stand in the gap and partner with those parents and encourage them to choose life. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned, many women are now seeking alternative forms of abortion. Can you believe this? that there are people who are willing to travel and provide assistance for an abortion in mobile care units. We need to support children all throughout life. In addition to financially participating in the love offering, you can help children. We want hope for every child. How can I help children? partnering with pro-life ministries. And we're going to partner with those that are on the front lines to save the lives of babies, to give financial support to them, but also to volunteer and to work with them to help counsel women who are in a crisis pregnancy. And once the baby is born, to help mentor and walk alongside that family and that mother and that child to navigate life. So we want to provide hope for every child. We also want to provide hope for families. Did you know that 1,100 children are in foster care in Shelby County? 1,100 children. That was in 2021. Over 1,000 children in Shelby County will sleep tonight not knowing if tomorrow holds security or not. And those children are our responsibility. This year, our offering for life is going to provide hope for these 
children and for their families. We're going to support ministries that help orphans, assist in the adoption process, and help people who don't have resources, families in our community. We're going to make a difference with those 1,100 children who are in foster care. Maybe you would allow yourself and you would enter into being trained to become a foster family. My son has been doing that for several years now. And they've got five biological children. And they have had four children, foster home children in their families. When they show up, they are a force to be reckoned with. Amen. (laughs) What a beautiful thing. You know what he told me? Three little girls needed somebody to take them in. He said, Dad, if we don't, who will? That'll change your life. We're so selfish. We don't want any inconvenience, do we? You can train to become a foster family. You can also pray to see if adoption is the right way for your family. There are a thousand children in Memphis that need to be adopted. A thousand. You can also be part of Bellevue's rap team, and we're not talking about rap music. RAP is an acronym that stands for Words of Encouragement, Respite, or Giving People a Break, Acts of Service and Prayer. You come alongside a family that is fostering or adopting, and you just keep the kids for a little while, let them go out on a date. Give them a little bit of a break. Do things like that. So at Bellevue, we want to provide in our For Life campaign hope for families and then hope for the vulnerable. We want to provide that. The homeless, many of whom have been abused by human trafficking. They're at risk. Just drive around Memphis. You'll see them walking on the streets. You'll see them begging for money. Some of them are refugees. They're homeless. They've been involved in human trafficking. What are we doing to help them? It's one thing to say we're against abortion and for life. It's another thing to help people who have lost their way and sleep outdoors at night. We're going to come alongside ministries that minister to the homeless. And we're also going to engage in helping them ourselves. Every homeless person in Memphis is made in the image of God. I want to show you 
a young man on this video that was on the streets and God moved in his life. Look at this video about Daniel. I had an alcoholic dad and that certainly wasn't a good example for him to set for me. And unfortunately at the age of nine, then he passed away. And that was significant because my mom was left to raise me all by herself. And then I was left to get in trouble a lot of times. I got arrested for the first time at the age of 13 for, um, for breaking into cars. At the age of 23, I had become so involved with the drugs and alcohol that I had a lot of fractured relationships with friends and family um, to the point that I ended up with no place to stay. And the final straw that brought me to the mission was I was out, I got into a fight, and I ended up in a hospital. There's just no other place to go at that point. So I lived at the mission for five months. They preach a sermon at lunchtime and then once again at the supper. So then you're getting a lot of exposure to the gospel and you're really in a position to where you're either gonna accept Christ or you're gonna reject Christ because you've gotta make a decision because it's right in front of your face. And I finally came to a point to where I understood that I didn't really need to understand the whole Bible in order to understand just the gospel components and make a decision. So that's what I did about two weeks in. Then I gave my life to Christ, and I knew at that point that I wanted to get past drug addiction and the alcohol addiction and turn my life around, if anything, to come back and then be, and then be an inspiration for these men and then to help them get through it as well. So coming out of the mission, I, you know, I knew that I needed a career because I just didn't have any kind of skills to where I could earn a living. And you know, I had worked more of the blue collar jobs and I knew that that really wasn't the best way forward for me. And so I went back, I got my associate's degree and then my bachelor's degree and then my master's degree. And I'm married and my wife, Christy, and I have a four-year-old girl, a one-year-old girl, and then we have a boy on the way. I was at my lowest point at the homeless shelter, right? But the good news of the gospel was that salvation is a free gift and it's not contingent on good works from the start, right? So that was sort of irrelevant. And it was powerful for me to know that God has a plan for my life. So even the bad experiences that I've had pre or post salvation, um, God can still turn that around and then use that for good and for his good purposes. I don't think there's any way that God would provide our church the resources that he's provided, the influence that we have, um, and places in a city of great need if he didn't want us to go there, right, and to take the gospel there. You know, the men at the homeless shelter, from the world's eyes, they have no hope, right? And so as the church, we have to be the ones to take hope to them, to believe in them, to believe that they're gonna succeed. Because we know that if God gets a hold of any of them, that he can use them in a tremendous way, just like he used me. What a beautiful testimony. Thank the Lord for Daniel. And there are a lot of Daniels out there who have not had anybody reach out to them. So you're saying, Brother Steve, what are you asking me to do? Three things. Pray, 
give, and go. Say that with me. Pray, give, and go. I want you to pray. It always starts with prayer, does it not? If you don't pray, nothing else really happens. Pray for our committee, our love offering committee. We want to partner with the best local ministries in Memphis so that we can give hope, the hope of Christ to every child, every family, and the vulnerable. Then you can give. If you'll look inside your handout at the back, there's a love offering envelope. I want you to take it. It's glued there. Just take it off and just look at it. You don't have to turn it in right now. And you can see there to the left, you can give and pledge online, bellevue.org forward slash give. You can do it in this envelope. You can also go to our Bellevue app and download our app there if you'd like to. Or if you'd like to do it the old-fashioned way like I do it, you can write a check. Does anybody remember that? Or you can, the, the most important blank on here besides where you'd put your name, that's the most important, is not how much you give today. It's that second blank, top right, how much you pledge. We're asking you to give over 12 months. That means that for me, I get paid twice a month, I've got 24 times that I can give. Start doing the math, I'll help you. If you wanted to give $10,000, that's $835 a month. If you wanted to give $1,000, that's $84 a month. If you wanted to give just over $500, that's $10 a week. If you wanted to give $1,200, that's $25 a week. I'll let you do the math. But what if we had, and I believe we could easily do this, 100 people, 100 families, give $10,000 a piece. That's a million dollars by itself. And what if we had a thousand people give a thousand dollars over the whole year? Eighty-four dollars a month. That's a million dollars. It's amazing what we can do if we just pray about it and do it consistently. You do whatever the Lord tells you. If the Lord doesn't want you to give, don't give. But we're going to receive this above your tithes and your offering. This, this has nothing to do with Donna and me, our tithes. No, this is above that. We have given to the love offering every month, every year we've been here for the last 17 years. And we have always been blessed. We want you to give. So today, as you leave, you can put this in the offering 
as you're exiting. You can see the little white places to give, the little boxes out there and the stands. You can give online. You can do all of this online. However the Lord leads you. We want to pray and we want to give. And then we want to go. Some of you want to get involved. And you should. How do you do that? I think you know by now what I'm about to say. Text LIFE to 901-901. And you'll receive a form that will tell you the multiple ways how you can get involved to be for life. Just going to learn more. Doesn't, doesn't, you don't commit to anything by getting the form. Not a commitment, but just to let you learn more. And anybody can take their phone and dial 901-901, life to 909, and you'll get that. Our team will follow up with you post-haste. Let's take just a moment, and we're not asking that you make the decision right now, but we are asking that you pray about it right now. Would you just bow with me and pray and say, Lord, what would you have me and my family to do? Our Father, as we pray, help us to hear your voice. I thank you that you are a God who is for life. And because of that, you give us hope. And Lord, you give every child hope, unborn or born. Because of you, Lord Jesus, there's hope for every family, even families that are messed up. There's hope. And Lord, there's hope for the vulnerable people who are on the streets, people who are wandering through life and they need help. Those who've lost their way, those who think the only way to live is to do something immoral so they can eat another meal. God, help us to reach out in love to these people and not disdain them, but to bring them into Christ. Bless our committee and bless our congregation. Lord, there's enough potential in this room to give all that we need. I pray that we will all be obedient. Lord, show us what you would have us to do over the next year not just today, but over the next year. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that we have that I dearly love, and I, the way I give is online. I've got the Bellevue app. It says giving. And it says in there, what do you want to give? And it, the budget and the love offering and missions and benevolence and on and on. I would encourage you to look at that. If you don't like to do that, that's fine. Write a check, whatever you want. But make sure that you get this envelope to us, even if it's totally empty, 
just with your pledge on the outside. Make sure that within the next week or so, you drop that off or you go online, you fill it out. Because what we would love to do is next week to try to tell you how much we have pledged for this love offering.